0: Hi listeners, it's episode 266 and a day for your Q&As. It's been a while since I released a Q&A episode here on the main podcast feed, and I had so much fun reading through the things you asked and reflecting on my responses to them. Thanks to everyone who contributed a question. I won't spend too much time on this intro, but there is one little matter of housekeeping that I'll mention before we get into the show. I'm recording this episode in the middle of October 2023, and there are a lot of heavy things happening in our world right now. First, and most importantly, I hope you are doing what you can to take care of yourself, your mental health, and your loved ones. Everyone is impacted by world events differently, and no matter your situation, I am sending you my best and all of my love. It is my sincere wish that this little corner of the world, SSR, can offer you a much needed boost of extra happiness. While there are plenty of critical causes begging for your attention at the moment, you are also more than welcome to join our Patreon family for a few dollars a month to ensure that the podcast and the community around it can continue well into the future. This is especially important as I anticipate going on maternity leave from the show starting in January. You get lots of perks as an SSR patron, but I'm confident that the Patreon book club in particular will give you even more of that bookish escapism you might be looking for these days. Learn more and join the fun at www.patreon.com/ssrpodcast or by going to www.ssrpodcast.com and clicking support at the top of the page. With that, let's get into today's Q&A episode. Welcome to the SSR Podcast. So find your favorite reading spot and a glass of wine. We're about to revisit some literary throwbacks right here on the SSR Podcast. Hello again, friends. I got quite the mix of questions for this episode. I did my best to organize them, but I really love the variety and had a great time thinking about so many different things. Thanks again to everyone who asked a question. Let's jump in. This first batch of questions is primarily about all things SSR and podcasting. What book has changed the most for you since reading it as an adult? And this listener specifies, as an example, reading the Twilight series and realizing all the red flags as a 33-year-old feminist rather than as an idealist teenager. I think I've been asked a version of this question every time I've recorded a QA and a episode, and it's always a good one. And I had to laugh when I saw that this person called out Twilight as a prime example of a book that seems to have changed a lot for them over the years because I totally get it. The episode I recorded a few months ago about New Moon really drove home how misguided sweet teenage Allie's ideas about love really were. But anyway, books that seem to have changed the most for me. Honestly, it's hard for me to pick just one or even just a few. Almost every book I read for the podcast surprises me in some way or another. A series that becomes more disturbing to me every time I return to it is, unfortunately, Gossip Girl. On episode 264, we unpacked the fourth book in the series, which is called Because I'm Worth It, and as usual, I couldn't get over how toxic the messages about weight and body image were. When I was a teenager, I thought those books were pure glamour and sparkle, and it is wild how many dangerous messages are embedded in that fictional Upper East Side world. The Little House series has also looked very different to me over the last few years, not only thanks to my own rereading experiences and the conversations I've had with guests, but also because of what I've been learning out in the world about the narrow lens through which I was taught American history as a kid. What's worse for you with SSR, a boring or difficult guest or a boring or difficult book? A boring or difficult book is way harder for me. Reading for the podcast occupies so much of my time and if I'm having trouble getting through one of the titles, it's a real drain. If I found a book boring or hard to read, I tend to be a lot less motivated to prepare for the episode and I have lower energy going into the guest interview too. I'm not proud of this, but I wouldn't be surprised if you as the listeners can pinpoint some of the SSR books that I found boring or difficult based on how the episodes turned out. Since I've been doing the show for about five and a half years now, I've learned how to make conversation with pretty much any guest. So getting through to a tougher personality, doesn't intimidate me so much anymore. Plus, if a guest doesn't have much to say, I can usually come up with something as long as I liked the book. I got a few other behind the scenes questions about how I handle tricky situations on the podcast. One listener wants to know how I navigate potentially tricky moments when interviewing guests on the podcast. They specifically asked about guests going off on tangents that seem unrelated to the book or the conversation at hand. For the most part, I give my guests the space they need to get from conversational point A to conversational point B. Often, I think that people get nervous when they're coming onto the podcast, and they default to talking about a subject in their personal comfort zone for a while before they find their way back to the book they read for the show. In most cases, they get there on their own, and I think I've gotten good over the years at knowing when to jump in and find a segue. My training as a journalist and interviewer really comes in handy there. Occasionally, I do find myself editing out portions of those tangents when preparing the episodes to go live, but I try very hard to preserve what a guest was trying to say as long as it's kind and respectful. Sometimes it's in those tangent moments that we make a unique personal connection or a listener feels a connection to the guest. The fact of the matter is that most guests come onto SSR with something to promote. Usually they're authors with a new book getting published, and they therefore have some talking points on hand. That's how this whole thing works, and my role is to figure out how to balance that promotional space, which is often the source of the tangent, with the core subject matter of my show. This next question is similar, but a little spicier. What is your decision-making process when guests openly say something problematic or something that doesn't align with SSR's values? Do you take it out? Do you cancel the episode altogether? Do you gently call it out after recording? Out of respect for everyone involved, I won't get into all the details, But there is one episode of SSR that was recorded and never aired. The interview was actually fantastic, and I think that listeners would have enjoyed the episode itself, but I discovered as I was preparing to release the episode that the guest in question had demonstrated some potentially offensive behavior on social media. It was a very uncomfortable situation, but I had to pull the show at the last minute. I felt pretty strongly that it wasn't up to me to decide whether or not this person was guilty but that it was my responsibility to protect my audience and to ensure that I wasn't making any of my listeners feel unsafe. As you can probably imagine, there was a cost to this in terms of a handful of relationships in the business, but I knew it was the right thing to do. This happened a few years ago, and since then I have been more diligent about researching guests before they come onto the podcast. While I think it's important to have people on the show who represent backgrounds and viewpoints that are different from my own, SSR should always be a welcoming, affirming place for its audience. Because of the way I research guests, I very rarely find myself faced with a problematic comment in the course of an actual interview. Specific examples aren't actually coming to mind, but I am sure I have edited out the odd thing here or there. I think it helps that I am somewhat outspoken about my values and SSR's values on social media and on the show itself. Most people who choose to be guests know what they're getting into at least to some degree. What is your current wish list book for the podcast? With my podcast maternity leave coming up in a few weeks, it feels like there's so much pressure on this question. There are always so many books I want to cover on the show. A few books and series that jump to the top of my mind as I look forward to coming back in 2024 are the Mary-Kate and Ashley mystery books, more Royal Diaries and Dear America books, the Silverblades books, pretty much anything written by Avi, and Snail Mail No More. There were a lot of questions about parenthood in this batch. For those who don't know, my husband Matt and I, along with our golden retriever Irving, of course, will be welcoming a baby to the family in January. A few people asked about the books I am most excited to introduce to Baby K. This might seem like a lame answer, but I am just excited to introduce them to the whole world of reading. There are so many unknowns coming our way with the transition to newborn life and parenting, but I feel like I will have my comfort zone in those early months and years with lots of reading time. There's a picture book called *Uni the Unicorn by Amy Krauss-Rosenthal that I have purchased for pretty much all of my friend's children because I love it so much. And I bought a copy for our own family a few weeks after I found out I was pregnant. Beyond uni, I just can't wait to read everything to and with them and to see what kinds of books and subjects they love the most. I'm hopeful that reading is something we can share for as long as possible. What is your biggest fear around parenthood? And this listener wants to make sure that We know that we are not talking about major emergencies, health scares, etc. I think that anticipating parenthood has forced me more than ever to consider and get nervous about the traits of mine that are potentially not the best. I'm not an especially patient person, and while I think I will develop more patience with our baby as he or she gets older, I know myself well enough to predict that I will struggle to stay patient in those first few weeks and months especially. I'm scared that I won't know how to cope with the frustration of not knowing what to do when my baby is upset and fussy. Experienced parents in the audience, I know you're listening and thinking, good luck. And don't worry, I know this is something that I'll work on and figure out. But that's probably my biggest fear, especially since I am a highly sensitive person and my anxiety tends to be triggered by loud, continuous noises. What are you and Matt each looking forward to in parenthood? Matt and I have been together for almost 15 years, and together we are really excited to expand all of the love we've put into our one-on-one relationship into a family unit. We both love creating and celebrating traditions, so it's going to be a lot of fun to do that over the years with our child. I know that I am also really excited to see Matt take on the role of dad. It's so special knowing that we have the opportunity to build our family and to be the kinds of parents that feel authentic to us. This question is somewhat related to the last one. What is the best advice you've been given so far about motherhood or marriage? At one of the many bridal showers I attended in my mid to late 20s, I heard someone offer this piece of advice for the bride-to-be. Always stay on the same side of the problem. It's a piece of advice I've repeated again and again to people in my life as they prepared to get married or transitioned into a new relationship, and it's something I think about often myself. Even if Matt and I don't necessarily agree on what exactly needs to be done to get to the other side of an issue— and we don't always, we try to remember that it's the two of us against that issue. I've tried to streamline a lot of motherhood advice so far just because there's so much out there, but I think that the same wisdom applies. When I get frustrated with my baby and later my child or with Matt as we tackle a parenting challenge, I think remembering to stay on the same side of the problem with them and not against them will go a long way. Let's get into some questions about writing. What are some quick tips you can share with someone who is a new writer of fiction? The biggest piece of advice I would offer is to think of your writing habit as a physical practice. We tend to think of writing as a super heady pursuit when in fact, so much of it is about sitting down in front of the computer or the pen and the paper and just writing. Sometimes this looks like dedicated hours on end to a novel in a quiet office. Other times it looks like chipping away at random stories on your laptop while you sit with your partner or family watching reality TV. Don't be too precious about it and give yourself permission to try different things. The key is that you are building writing as a habit. Challenge yourself to write a certain number of times or for a certain number of hours per week. If this helps you stay motivated, you might also track how many words you write. These are really practical tips, but they make a huge difference. A few people asked for updates about my own book writing process. I feel like a bit of a broken record, but I will once again, say that the process is still going. I signed with an amazing literary agent a few months ago and have since then been working with her to get the manuscript for my novel ready to send to publishers. As I record this episode, I am working through a second round of big revisions based on my agent's notes. And I am hopeful that those revisions will be complete in the next week or two. Ideally, she'll be happy with where I've landed and the ball will be in her court. In any case, when my agent feels that the book is ready, It will be up to her to try to sell it to the editors and her network who she thinks would be the right fit for it. Even as someone who's worked in and around the publishing industry for the last decade, I am continually surprised by how long and labor-intensive the process of taking a book from idea to hardcover actually is. There are days when it's frustrating, but I feel lucky to have an agent who I trust and to feel like I'm on the right track. I will take all of the good vibes you are willing to send as I continue making progress. This last set of questions is about miscellaneous topics. Did you ever get a free personal pizza from Pizza Hut for your reading while in school? I have a vague memory of this, but I can't say for sure. My school offered lots of different incentives for reading, and I remember those other ones more. Once, we got to have a pizza party with the principal, which seemed super cool at the time, and I think there were other times when we got a free book or two at the Scholastic Book Fair. Maybe there was an ice cream social at one point, too. But I was such a bookworm that if there was a Pizza Hut personal pizza up for grabs at some point, I probably got one. What is one big activity or experience from your life bucket list that hasn't happened yet? Publishing a book is the biggest one, but we already talked about where I am with that. I've always loved design, and I also think it would be pretty cool to renovate a house from scratch. Matt and I live in a neighborhood in Philadelphia with lots of old homes, and it would be a fun experience to have an endless budget to turn one of those spaces into something that honors its history, while also reflecting our contemporary needs and tastes. The house we live in now is 100 years old, and we love it, but the longer we live here, the more I find myself itching to take on a big creative house project. Naturally, the dream house would include a big library. Who do you look to for wisdom about life? For example, some people follow a guru, others look to religion. This is an interesting question and one that I am probably going to need more time to consider. If I could give an answer now, it would probably be that most of my philosophies are collected from different things I've read and heard and from people in my life. I like to think that I've taken bits and pieces of inspiration from lots of friends and family members, but I will keep thinking about it and maybe start to pay more attention to where I'm getting my wisdom. As a lifelong lover of planners and someone who loves to keep things planned and organized, it made me smile to see this question show up. What is your favorite planner and why? I am pretty committed to the Passion Planner. I've been using this brand for six or seven years now, and I have found their products to be super helpful since I started podcasting and working for myself as a freelancer. I like that the planners have tons of space to break down daily schedules, as well as room to list out personal and professional to-do lists every week. Earlier this year, I added a bullet journal to my planning repertoire, mostly as a way of tracking more specific long-term goals and little habits. I like the flexibility and creativity of the bullet journal, but I think you could do a lot of those things in the Passion Planner too. I've recommended the Passion Planner to many friends and have fully converted many of them. And for the final question for today, is Bethany off the rails? If so, why? This question came from a listener who, like me, has a long history of watching The Real Housewives of New York. Together, we have been paying close attention to the chaos that has been Bethany Frankel over the last couple of months. Bethany was once my all-time favorite housewife by far, and it pains me to say that I do think things have gone slightly off the rails. Like many other celebrities who have found their way to social media and or podcasting, and discovered the response that comes with making bold statements, I worry that Bethany is now more interested in building a brand around her audience's reactions than she is around saying what she means. I don't love the way she's chosen to use her platform and I've lost some respect for her as I've watched her monetize that platform big time without a ton of care, concern, or even research. I would love to see Bethany take a step back from some of the chaos she's created and get back to basics. That's all I have for today. I am starting to get to that out-of-breath point in pregnancy, so I'm sorry about that, but I hope you enjoyed tuning into this Q&A. If you did, and if you're a fan of the podcast in general, please share SSR on your Instagram story or spread the love with a five-star rating or review on your listening platform of choice. Thanks to everyone who submitted questions for this special episode. I will see you next week for another bookish conversation. Happy reading! SSR is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Thanks so much for listening to the SSR Podcast. Check out our website at www.ssrpodcast.com for show notes and other information. And be sure to connect with us on social media for updates on upcoming episodes, behind-the-scenes inside scoop, and some good old-fashioned book talk. Find us at SSR Pod on Instagram and Twitter and search SSR Podcast on Facebook to join the group. To reach out directly, you can send me an email at hellossrpod at gmail.com. If you're loving the show, it would mean so much if you could subscribe, leave a five-star review, and share your thoughts with a comment. And don't forget to tell your friends too. In the meantime, happy reading. I'll see you next time on the SSR Podcast.